Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Green Network, a podcast that unpacks some of today's most important sustainability issues with insights from the experts. We're three friends who are wild on everything sustainable, so we thought it would be a great idea to record our conversations with these interesting and smart people in the field for you guys to listen to and learn from. My name's Sophie. And my name's Paddy. And our fantastic editor, Lydia, is here as well. Hello. So we really want this podcast to be um, stimulating, inspiring for you and help you unpack what sustainability really means in our day-to-day lives. And we'd love you to be part of the conversation. So please get in touch with us via our Instagram account. Tell us what you think about the conversations we've been having, your thoughts, questions and opinions. We'd love to hear from you. So at the moment, we're seeing a lot in the news about the state of the planet, from school strikes for climate, Amazonian Australian fires, and even islands of plastic in our oceans. And one of the words that is coming up again and again is sustainability. It feels like everywhere we look, we're seeing sustainable toothbrushes, sustainable cars, transport, sustainable holidays, and it's being brandished around as definitely quite a trendy word at the moment. Do you feel you know what this word actually means? In this podcast, we sat down with Mike Tennant, one of the leading experts and researchers in sustainability, to define this term a bit better and unpack what it really means. Why do we think sustainable is better? And do we think that it is possible to even achieve a sustainable future? So, Mike, sustainability sort of sounds like one of those words that everyone really wants to use at the moment to sound kind of woke, sound like they really care. But we really want to know where it's kind of come from and and what this word actually means and and how we should actually be using it and perhaps judging it um, when we see it out in the world and in newspapers, on products. So could you tell us a little bit about where this word actually came from and how we could define the idea of sustainability? Uh, hi, sure. <laughs> I, I can certainly try. Um, as, as, as you say, it's, uh, um, it's, it's, it's got quite a long lineage. Um, and also it's used in so many different contexts. But when we look at the, the, the modern definition, then we trace that back to what's known as the Brundtland Report, So our common future back in 1983, the World Commission on Environment and Development uh, hosted hosted an enormous conference um, and the result of that was a report called Our Common Future in 1987 uh, that really tried to define what sustainable development um, meant and it took into account the state of the environment um, and importantly projecting into the future and saying, well, um, the things that we do now, they should have positive implications for how we expect the world to be in the future. So essentially don't damage the planet so that future generations don't get the benefits that we're actually we, we, we're actually enjoying at the moment. So, and and this leads itself into all sorts of interesting um, ideas. So, how do we actually consider economic growth? 
um, without destroying the planet or without leaving future generations um, more impoverished than, than we could be. Um, and, and, and I think that's, that's, that's a major, um, major issue that we're trying to grapple with now. So when we think of sustainable development from the Brundtland um, definition, uh, we think of the environment, um, we think of development, we think of how we can um, uh, look at this from the perspective of developed and developing countries, so industrialised and less industrialised um, countries. We think of the present, we think of the future, and just trying to make sure that um, what we're doing now just doesn't affect anybody negatively um, going forward. So, so it's quite a simple term. <laughs> yeah, you could just write it down in one sentence. Well, they, I think they, they use two <laughs> paragraphs in the. Uh, <laughs> they do, they do. But that, but you, so you mentioned sustainable development, but is that synonymous with sustainability? Mm. So it's used synonymously. I think if we look at them from an academic perspective, then they can be distinguished. But um, for I think for the sake of art, of, of of this we can say okay so sustainable development is about um, uh, looking at how we understand what development is so does for example does development in um, Britain in the UK in America or in Western Europe in in Australia is that the same do we expect development to be the same for um, those countries for those individuals compared to say um, Bangladesh, Sub-Saharan Africa, um, at potentially the other end. Um, so development, you, you, you could kind of define that as anything from education to uh, welfare and all, all of the things in between. It's, it's, that is also yeah, all-encompassing yeah, yeah, yeah. term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. well, I, I, th I think it's relative. Yeah. So we are at... Um, Different. We, we we have developed different things. I mean, the in in the UK where we are now in London, um, we've got a particularly well developed financial system, mm. um, and so so that could class as a dimension of development. How one actually uses economics um, to uh, create conditions around the country where everybody has a good standard of living. Um, that may not be the case in other countries that don't have such well-developed um, yeah. uh, 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 economic systems. And we could say the same for um, social welfare, we could say similar things for um, environmental development. So, so it can mean different things depending on where you are, so what your baseline is, um, what country you're in, and where you actually want to get to, what you aspire to. That's so interesting because I think when I think about the word sustainability, perhaps because it covers so much, and at the moment because we're all thinking about, particularly we're all thinking about plastic to be honest, I tend to think of the environment as being the big thing that springs to mind. I think of what, it, what um, we're doing as humans to the environment. How much is this about the environment versus human development? So I think that sustainability has become I, I, I suppose it has become um, something that we attach more to environmental um, concerns at the moment. Um, but um, so, so specifically, sustainability is 
about the environment. Mm. I think I think that's the general um, labelling we're using. Um, but of course, if we look at the Sustainable Development Goals, then it encompasses environment, it encompasses social, um, and they are interlinked. So the Sustainable Development Goals are a universal set of goals, targets and indicators, so 17 goals that the United Nations have, with in, in conjunction with other parties, have decided that those are the next set of, um, of, of global targets that we should hit by 2030, so they encompass everything from poverty, um, or no poverty, um, no hunger, um, through to decent jobs and decent wages, through to gender equality, through to biodiversity and water quality, um, and all of the conditions around that that make all of this happen, so governance, partnership, um, so essentially they try to describe the world and a vision of the world where we need to, in their mind, we need to head towards. Given, as you were saying, we, we need to, of course, develop societies for people all around the world and that does depend on growth and prosperity. How can we reconcile some of the challenges we have around the environment within the capitalist model which does require this growth? Um, I think that's a really that's a really interesting question, and certainly a question that we all have to have to grapple with. Um, economic growth drives so much progress, so a lot of the the tech innovations, the pharmaceutical innovations uh, that have happened have been because of the mobilisation of capital, in particular mm. productive directions. Um, uh, we we know that as a country's GDP rises, then more and more people benefit. Um, problems arise when the capitalist system just doesn't um, work for everybody. So we start seeing gross levels of inequality um, within countries. Um, within countries is actually quite an important concept there rather than between countries. Because that breeds... Um, uh, breeds distrust, um, and and we're seeing that, um, we're 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 seeing that a lot. Um, so, so so I think the idea that so I, I suppose probably the first idea is that um, or the first point is that we're not going to get rid of the capitalist system. You know that's that may be some sort of vision for anarchist groups, and uh, yeah, it's a fun vision to have, but it's just not going to happen. It underpins so much development in the world. We've just got to learn mm. to steer the mobilisation of capital in a direction that actually enables positive, um, positive development. Mm. So, so capital that's good for the environment, mm. you know, rather than working on, say, ra rather than funding tobacco, we actually fund crops that are nutritious. An attempt to kind of decouple growth from consumption, in a way, is that, is that you know, this idea of green growth, mm. despite mm. it maybe sounding a bit paradoxical, that is the way forward? Mm, I, th I, th I think so. Um, and, and again, that's, that, that, that's sort of problematic. So the idea of decoupling is that um, we want 
people's economic standards to rise because we know that if people have access to capital, um, to money, you know, they've got cash in their pockets, then they can do more things with it. They can buy education. They can afford to go out and have friends. Um, and I'm not saying that you can't have friends <laughs> if you don't go out. But it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, you can afford to do things like go down to the pub or go to restaurants yeah. um, and, 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 and enjoy that type of life. And so economic growth is a good indicator of progress, but it can't be the only indicator of progress. And um, so what we have to try to ensure is that as we get more money, what we spend it on doesn't actually increase the environmental impact of our um, decisions, of our actions. So, so that's the idea of decoupling, is that as we get more money, it doesn't. We 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 impact the we we, we don't impact the uh, the environment as as much. Um, it sort of works theoretically. Um. That kind of leads on to the individual's choice. Uh, you know, when when the average Joe walking down the street goes into a shop and sees one item that says it's sustainable and the other item that says it's not, where you could argue that actually the most sustainable option is to not buy anything. <laughs> And you know, go that go to that extreme. But then, can you be sustain a sustainable consumer in that sense? Yeah, I mean, again, a really good question. Everybody has an impact on the world. Yeah, I think that if if we think that we ever don't have an impact, then yeah, again, we're 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 not thinking quite straight. But everybody has an impact on the world from the the food you eat the clothes you wear, the transport choices, you make. even if you ride a bike, you've still got some sort mm. of impact. Um, Yay! <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah, right. I thought I was so sustainable riding here tonight. Blowing <laughs> um, my dreams. The, I, I think we've got to think about it in terms of minimising um, the impact that we actually do have and looking for alternative choices. So if we're always chasing novelty, uh, you know, we're buying new dresses every week or whatever, or sorry, not, not wanting to uh, um, stigmatize dresses or anything, um, you know, <laughs> new, uh, new, new pieces of clothing every week, um, uh, then um, I, th I think that becomes problematic, just accruing things for the sake of Sake of sake of accruing them rather than actually looking at them as as pieces that we can keep for a long time. So so the idea that um, reduction and extending product life cycles uh, is is an important set of concepts there. Hmm. That's so interesting. So basically, we all kind of have to not think about perhaps this perfect idea of being completely sustainable, which is probably impossible as an individual. Because I know I'd love to think, and I went through a phase of you know thinking I really, really want to be completely sustainable as I can, and I think I probably scrutinised every decision I was making, and it, and it became quite hard work and quite draining, actually. I mean, what do you think could help people to... Should they, should they pick one area of their lives where they decide, I'm really going to make a difference here, or do you think it is, it is about actually fundamentally going back and saying, actually... What does a good life look like for me? What does quality of life look like for me? What do I need in my life to make me kind of fulfilled as a person? And 
what's sustainable <laughs> for me as an individual, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So because we need art and and things in our lives. Course. Of course, um, individual choices are really important. So what we do as individuals is incredibly important. Um, however, what we're what are seen as societal norms is also something that we've got to take into account. So if we're in a society where, say, um, technological obsolescence, so the fact that our phones, um, yeah, they last for 18 months or something, we could probably easily make them last twice or three times as long, and then we replace them. Um, and it's expected that you replace them, or it's expected that you get yeah, a new piece of clothing every time you go to a new function, then, then, then that's not the way to actually think about it. So, so we, we, we have to think about um, that. Can anybody be sustainable? Well, no, not if we all have an impact on the world. So the idea, so, 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 so I think it's worth going back to the idea of what we think sustainability could be, um, definitionally, and say, okay, so we've got um, a planet's worth of resources, plants, animals, um, rare rare metals. Um, how can we um, keep the same amount that can be used for our kids, our grandkids, mm. everybody else's kids and grandkids? And um, some of that's sort of easy, give or take. Yeah, because plants grow. You know, so we've just got to make sure that there's enough food tomorrow as there is today. Um, but technology doesn't grow. And so you can't grow a new computer. You can't grow some new iron that you use, your steel that you, uh, you, you turn into buildings. Um, but you can recycle it. You can recycle it, you can, and um, some things work really well. Aluminium glass recycling is, is incredibly efficient, um, if you can find it, mm. if you can find it. So, uh, so again, behaviour, individual choices, um, a lot of potential recyclers are lost because people just don't recycle. Um, we've got an awful... Um, uh, rate of recycling in the UK. Um, so yeah, so individual choices, understanding what we need to do and how, so if you look at veganism, for example, okay, so you say, okay, so we're reducing meat, we know that beef has um, incredibly large um, carbon footprint um, and we really should get rid of that middleman or middle cow and mm. eat plant-based ourselves. So, so that's a really simple way of, of thinking Quite about a hot it. hot topic as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we say, okay, so what are we going to eat? We're going to get rid of milk because we've got rid of the cows. So we'll go to almonds. And we know that almonds have an incredibly high water footprint. Mm. So it's okay, so what else do we go to? And um, we say maybe oats. Oats are, oats are a bit better, but yeah, oatly, yeah, it's just oat milk just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> so, so we can then go to um, technology. And there's a fabulous tech startup in New Zealand um, called Perfect Day that have engineered bacteria to express milk. Mm -hmm. So we have milk without the cow. 
And so, so there's all sorts of options, but to expect anybody to really work out what on earth is going on there and how to evaluate all of those options is, is really hard. This is the challenge, isn't it? Because yeah. as, exactly as you say, I mean, you just brilliantly described an example of how you know, sustainability can be measured in so many different ways and perceived differently. And, and so, you know, unless everyone sits down and works out for themselves, whether it's watching the documentary on beef, uh, you know, the plant-based documentaries or the, fa- the fast fashion documentaries, you know, how can, we, how can we actually know how to judge things in front of us? Um, and then in some cases, whether we should, you know, pay the, the extra price for the thing that seems to be more sustainable or not. Which is not always accessible for everyone. Yeah, as well. exactly. Yeah. And and then do I do I really believe that this company is is doing something in a better way than the way that's been done for hundreds of years mm. before? So how do you think people? I mean, in their day to day lives, what should we be doing to try and navigate some of this complexity? What's a, what's a good approach for? I don't know, just take Just literally one of these. put Mike in your pocket every time you go to the shop. <laughs> yeah. And say, can you just do a bit of an analysis just on what, downside which, one, uh, which one's We're going to clone him. <laughs> I, I have this, this dilemma every couple of years, I think, butter or margarine. So you think, okay, so, and try this, try this at home. Now picturing you in, yeah, in the yeah, supermarket. Yeah. So <laughs> on one hand, you've got, you've got butter. So, so butter's, I think, probably a little bit more expensive than margarine. So you've got a slight price trade-off there, but not much. But then you look at it and say, okay, so butter. So you've kept a cow in uh, essentially forced pregnancy for most of its life. And you've taken away its calf and you're milking it every day and in some countries you're probably feeding it with a massive amount of antibiotics um, so 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 that's your ethical dilemma um, and then you've got margarine and you say okay so majority of margarine is made with palm oil so we're supporting um, uh, oil palm plantations in Indonesia and um, and we know that leads to massive amounts of deforestation and we're killing orangutans and, oh, um, and so cows, yeah. cow, cows are orangutans which are you going to have mm. and so you know some days I'm side with the cows some days I'm side with the orangutans <laughs> um, and then you've got taste and then you've got yeah. industrial processing Do you just have to make that kind of personal value choice all the time almost I think you have to recognise that there are trade-offs. There are whether you can actually get detailed insight and then be able to act on that if it is incredibly detailed. But there's there, there's always if 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 we think of sustainability as being um, three pillars. So this is a standard way to think about sustainability. So we look at the environment, we look at society, and we look at economics, and we see those as three components of of sustainability and um, and, and think about how they interact. Then um, there's potentially trade-offs between um, those three. So we talked about decoupling, so we've got a trade-off between economic growth and the potential environmental damage that we could actually make. So do we continue to grow if we're going to 
damage the environment more, environment more or do we think of different ways to actually do it? So, um, if you're a student, yeah, a lot of our students here, they're deeply passionate about sustainability, but they're students, they can't afford fair trade coffee. So do you actually buy coffee, do you spend the money extra money trying to buy fair trade coffee, knowing that it's going to do good for society or for smallholder farmers? Um, uh, or do you say, okay, well, I'll buy non-fair trade, or I won't buy a book, or something. Yeah. So, so you've always got these trade-offs, yeah. you've always got these decisions you have to make um, between what you want to do and what you think is good um, uh, for the world. I guess if you were managing your own, if you imagined you had your own planet you were carrying around with you, you'd have to think about how to manage it, wouldn't you? Imagine if you really? had to live out of the back Actually, of your that, garden for the rest yeah, of your life. That's a really interesting like, point, because I, I, I heard recently that actually, you know, maybe this is not, the, the, the idea is, is more of, a, it's more of a, a wild theory, but the environmental agencies and our reflection in the environment only really started to grow once we'd gone into outer space and looked mm -hmm. back on our planet and actually saw it for what it was. Before then, we had no way of seeing the thing which we are living on. I, don't, I mean, it, it, you know, it sounds very romantic, but actually, you know, there's, there's, there's been correlations between the environmental agencies and all of these charities appearing just as that, you know, in the 1970s. It's kind of, you do have to be, yeah, but that's, that's why it's called a wicked problem, no? I mean, that's, you know... It's, it's pretty wicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But no, the... the uh, the point about a single planet yeah. is incredibly important. So, um, yeah, they, they, there was allegedly some great epiphany um, in the first uh, manned um, space spacecraft looking mm. down on the Earth and seeing this this um, this this blue marble. Uh, and a lot of the thinkers, a lot of the environmental thinkers back in the sixties and seventies, used the metaphor of um, spaceship Earth. Uh, so, so um, Buckminster Fuller, Barry Commoner, um, thinking about it as this um, this single finite planet. We don't have more than one planet. You know, we can't. Even though Elon Elon yeah, Musk would yeah, like yeah, to think it's right. otherwise. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're not going to colonize Mars in the next uh, <laughs> no, twenty odd years. Um, well, there is a great vision. Um, yeah. uh, and but then we know that. If we calculate how much we're actually using as individuals, as countries, some countries are using far more resources than one planet would allow. Mm -hmm. So you look at some of the largest um, users; they're in the in the Middle East. Mike, how could we calculate what a, a sort of how we could use resources within a boundary that's reasonable per per human? What is a a reasonable amount of water to use a day, or mm -hmm length of time to have a certain number of lights on in a home. I feel like that could help people. So some calculations have been done. So the idea of footprinting, so we can calculate our footprint on the earth. And um, um, it works out to be, if, if you take the land it takes to grow all of the stuff we eat, we wear, you know, cotton and things like that, um, we use for building materials, essentially everything that we use to make our lives as they are, 
and we add the land that it takes to chuck away all of our stuff, to compost our waste food, to put holes in the ground to put the stuff in that's, um, that, that's not compostable or biodegradable. It works out to be about 1.8 hectares per person across the planet. Of course, as more and more people actually appear on the planet, we're currently at, what, 7 billion or something? Mm -hmm. So beginning of 2020, we're at 7 yeah. billion. Um, and the projections are, by the end of the century, we'll be at something like somewhere between 9.5 and 11 billion. Um, so our share of the Earth decreases as individuals. So we have to do um, more with less. We have to be a lot more efficient. Um, assuming that people in less developed, less industrialised countries actually get up to the same level as us, because I see it's very unlikely that we'll move our standards of living down politically, individually. Yeah. This is what seems so difficult, isn't it? So I guess the final, perhaps the final question would be for, for folks who are trying to do their bit and are seeing, you know, sustainable jackets, more sustainable coffee or whatever. Sustainable oil. Sustainable oil, mm. right, or sustainable fuel. Um, how, can, how can people um, try and judge that in the moment in front of them when they're making a decision? What should they... What should they do if they if they have a niggle? If you don't need it, don't buy it. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> and, there are, and there are things out there. There are standards out there as well, aren't there? Things like B Corporation is going. Yeah, and uh, so there's all sorts of labels. So you get the EU eco labels. Mm. Um, you've got fair trade labels. You've got um, organic labels. There are so many labels out there that it probably confuses the people who write labels. Yeah. And so, so I think it's unfair to expect anybody to actually look at 20, 30 different labels and say, okay, so which one is, is better? Um, I think the, yeah, the things that we've got to think about is that, so if you look at the Intergovernmental Panel of Climate Change, so they released their 1.5 degrees Celsius report last year, um, and they had a load of actions that they believe would bring us back into line with um, a maximum of 1.5 Celsius uh, rise by the end of the, uh, uh, end of the century. Um, and it's pretty much everything. We have to do everything. So, um, which is daunting. So we have to think beyond just reusing plastic bags. We have to look at our diets, we have to look at our transport, we have to look at the way our houses are heated and built. Uh, we have to look at our travel options. And yeah, we have to do a lot less of some of the things that we actually like. Um, but that's fine, we just find different things to like. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the uh, that's the thing. If we like flying five or six times a year, fly three times a year, fly once a year. It's it's a mo it's a monumental challenge, and it mm. and it does. I think it stresses a lot of people out. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. a lot of people anxiety but almost. Actually, isn't it but, exciting? Because in a way, I feel like for many of us, and uh, life is good. We can't we can't pretend life isn't good. And we have everything we need in this in the in the developed world and in the UK, most of us do. Um, 
but actually I don't know how much the world of consumption does make us all happy perhaps it, it could be interesting to reshape some of the patterns of behavior that we have and and actually spend more time on the stuff that perhaps matters more as humans mm. connecting with each other for real look at the carbon footprint of electronics so actually going out with your mates is going to cost you less in carbon than using all of your devices all of the time to have no meaningful connection with them so um, get off your phones get off facebook <laughs> and, and listen to our podcast on your phone yeah. please, please do do not please stay on your phones otherwise no one will listen to it <laughs> but that, that I, th I think that that is a challenge if you look at the biggest things that um people have to do then they are really big you know the the biggest carbon impact we'll probably ever have is to have kids and the, the the tension there is if we realize that the situation is so dire that we're not going to have kids then those kids are probably the ones who are going to make a difference those kids who are never being born are probably the ones who are going to grow up being aware from birth and want to do something so so it's it's that, really yeah that's so true. amazing it's, yeah there's no it's, simple it's, answers yeah. yeah yeah and and this is where this idea of eco anxiety comes from but yeah my very unpopular way of dealing that is dealing with that is just say just get on with it i mean you can't everything is so complex we've never been in an era where we've had so much information and so many decisions to actually make and so rather than well people are being forced to make decisions and it's difficult because we don't like making decisions we don't like confronting these trade-offs um so the, just like get on with it just Mike, do it i would follow you into battle <laughs> <laughs> i would, I, I, I would. <laughs> right i think we can go home now <laughs> not much more to say really is there no not at all just get on with it all right people we all actually we do make a difference which is quite reassuring to know it really is join us next week when we build on the conversation by exploring how individuals can use the power of imagination and creativity to change behavior see you next time Music